What can we take from this performance? Keep up to date with the latest WSL action and the biggest interviews. How much she enjoyed that goal. A little bit too much in terms of... <laughs> I wasn't a big fan of the Ronaldo celebration. Subscribe to the Koi Gig podcast stream on the OTB Sports app now. The Koi Gig pod on OTB Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support. Everyone ran their socks off tonight and they left everything out there. We're very proud of the, the team's performance. Let the shackles off Katie a bit so that she can go and play her game. We're going to go out there to beat them. We're going to try and beat them. I'm Kathleen McNamee and welcome along to the sixth episode of the Koi Gig podcast, OTB's home of everything Women's Super League and women's football. By my side, as ever, is former Ireland international and Piedmont United's Karen Duggan. We're a little bit chiller this week than we were last week uh, when we reported the podcast. I think we were, well, you were probably still freezing and I was still <laughs> just a bit blown away by the result in general. Yeah. But how, how have you been? What are your thoughts on the match having been a few had a few days to calm down I think um I think everyone was still buzzing for a while it's kind of one of those ones where yeah it was great to end the year on such a high but now you kind of want to see what's next um unfortunately we have a bit of a wait for that but at least we've plenty of other women's football to to keep us chatting in the meantime Mm, yeah and as you said like the wait may not be the worst thing in the world it'll be good for the team if not for our nerves in the long yeah. term. <laughs> and the Koi Gig Pod at OTB Sports in association with Cadbury FC, official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland's women's national team. Later on, since we didn't have any WSL action, we'll be doing a very special all-time Irish WSL team of the week of the year of the century. <laughs> I don't know, whatever way you want to look at it. All-time. Yeah, we'll be getting dug into that with Emma Carroll, which will be very fun. And we will also be joined by Liverpool and Ireland's Leanne Kiernan, goal scorer extraordinaire at the moment. I think literally every time I log on to Twitter, it's just her little picture with goal beside it again for something yeah, else. Goals she's of the month, team of the yeah. month, player of the month. Yeah, she's she's getting it all at the moment. And it's so great to see it couldn't happen to a more hardworking or humble girl. So I'm so excited for her and what's to come this season. Definitely really looking forward to chatting to her later. But I suppose... We'll get dug into the main match that was this week, which was the FA Cup final. Um, I was actually at Wembley for it, which was really fun. It's my first time ever at Wembley. Yeah. Um, there was a really, really nice atmosphere around the place. Less so from the Arsenal's <laughs> half of the ground towards the end of the match. Yeah. Say, I can nobody. imagine it, it got the atmosphere got dampened on that side of the house pretty early on in the game, which I was a bit shocked, to be honest. Yeah, very much so. Like They were definitely the louder contingent before the game started and then just very quickly (laughs) went quiet I mean I don't think I've actually seen Arsenal play that bad in so long like they didn't have a single shot on goal not one and you have a player like Vivian Miraba in your team it was a complete just but to be fair to Chelsea like they did the work they did their job but Arsenal just had no answers to it whatsoever yeah what do you think that was was it the occasion um like these are big name players like what what do you think went wrong for Arsenal on the day? Jonas Edeville was asked this afterwards and he said do you, like do you think that Arsenal suffer from like kind of big stage fear and that that but I don't actually think that was it on the day it was I think it was all Chelsea it was all Chelsea Chelsea yeah. were so well prepared they were so well drilled every single time like they kept switching up their formation they had every single individual player was amazing. I mean, Erin Cuthbert, she was on Katie and also on Beth Mead at various different points. The only time actually that Arsenal had any success is when they swapped those two around for a little bit, but she was incredible. Fran- Chelsea should have had 
about four goals in the first half if it wasn't for Zinsberger and for the post there was one point where she like punched the post and I was like don't do that that is your (laughs) your best defense right now is that post yeah Um, that's that's so unusual to be saying because we've watched a lot of Arsenal this season and they don't cough up chances easily um so yeah we say that it obviously Chelsea played massively well and they've obviously got we'll say the best coach we're looking at it now like if she was able to master plan this kind of game um that's huge for her and for the team and going forward what they'll have but yeah obviously there was a little bit on the nervy side or something didn't quite click for Arsenal on the day as well because we don't see them concede that many goals no we don't and the other thing as well the one thing I have thought about Arsenal this season is that it does sometimes take them a bit of time to like build into a game to kind of settle into it and definitely at the start of the second half obviously Sam Kerr got that goal about 10 minutes into the second half but up until that point they were actually looking a lot more confident on the ball they weren't you know taking random shots like they really struggled to even get past midfield in the first half and I remember there was like one point where Mirama had the ball and she just did this completely random shot that ricocheted off the defense and didn't go anywhere but it was so unlike her not to like try and attack and take on the team and Chelsea's press was incredible but at the same time they weren't doing that thing that Arsenal have been better at doing this year which is holding the ball working it out trying to get players like Mead or whoever it is into good positions um and even things like their set pieces you know a lot of the deliveries were kind of low and short and I don't know was that on purpose because obviously Chelsea have the likes of Millie Bright who's great in the air and she, whenever the balls were floated in she was very good at defending them but it just it didn't click at any point and I think it was very obvious from the first few minutes in that it was going to be Chelsea's day and not Arsenal's because they just didn't know what to do with them. Yeah and maybe it's kind of the the big game experience has kind of helped Chelsea to this point as well obviously they had a Champions League final last year um it's hard to win those big kind of cup games, those big knockout games. And they maybe just have that little bit more experience and that little bit more confidence. And um, they obviously would have had the bit between their teeth after that first game of the season, which Arsenal pip just pipped them. Um, so it, it, it makes for a very interesting return leg in the rest of the WSL between the two, because will Arsenal bounce back? They've obviously suffered a heavy defeat to Barcelona during the year, but they bounce back. So it'll be a big test of their character and also... Chelsea can they kick on again it'll be really intriguing it definitely will and I'm I will be surprised if Arsenal actually do manage to take the next WSL match off Chelsea if even if Arsenal do play better I just don't think they have the the answers to Chelsea obviously like first game Chelsea were missing Kerr and Kirby and they were absolutely essential to everything and again it was so weird to watch because Frank Kirby was just basically walking balls into the box and no one was stopping her and yeah. I was like am I the only one <laughs> I think someone should be marking Frank Kirby or Sam her at some point but they weren't but I think what will be big for Arsenal this week is the Barcelona game on Thursday because to suffer that sort of all-round comprehensive defeat and then have to go play a team who are easily possibly the best team in yeah. Europe yeah at the yeah. moment yeah and are better than Chelsea probably as well is a daunting task and it'll be interesting to see how they manage it. I have a fear that it might not be well, um, judging mm-hmm. on how Sunday went, but it's interesting. And I think looking at that group, no one ever really expected Arsenal to beat Barcelona, but I think 
I don't think challenge they, them more. Yeah, perhaps, yeah, the comprehensive defeat, especially after what Chelsea had gone through, I think we expected a little bit more. Yeah, so maybe it's it's time to look at maybe the defensive setup. We've spent so long praising how they are in attack, so maybe there needs to be a bit of a role reversal and just look to to lock up shop early doors. And it'll be interesting to see how Jonas Erdevelt manages that one. I think so. Like you can clearly see that they are really missing Leah Williamson. Um, like I think it was quite difficult because at times Arsenal were pushing up quite high, and especially like Noel Maritz on her side, and then leaving. Jane Beattie and uh, Lockwood Moy with absolutely no answers. Now, I say that was a game both of them will not want to watch back for a very long time because they both played pretty poorly, but they had very little support a yeah. lot of the time as well, which was hard. And they don't like they just didn't have the speed to take on players mm. like Kirby and Kerr, who on their day are the best. I mean, Emma Hayes said it herself. She was like, I think yeah. she listed a number of players and she was like, that was Frank Kirby's best day in a Chelsea shirt. That was Aaron Cuthbert's best day in a Chelsea shirt. And she said Sam Kerr is the best striker in the world. After seeing her in the flesh in Wembley, I know she played in Tallah Stadium and she was kept scoreless. So we'll just slip that one in there. But looking at her and her movement in a game like that, to be able to put on a performance like that, would you be in agreement with Emma Hayes' estimation think, of her? Yeah, I think so. I think the thing with Sam Kerr is that she can miss some howlers a lot mm. of the time. She's not an elite finisher, I don't think. It, well, I mean, you look at stuff like her chip and it was a beautiful goal. Yes. But in terms of chances created versus chances converted sometimes she falls down a little bit mm-hmm. in that area but the point is she is always creating she is always making those opportunities for herself and she can pull off the spectacular when she wants to so definitely her movement was incredible she was all over the place she's so fast and well we'll I certainly think, say she's the most entertaining striker in the world so yeah definitely definitely the most entertaining I think she she was just fun to watch and she looked mm. like she was enjoying herself, which, you know, as someone who's watching a game, that's yeah. always fun. That as must well. be a nice feeling in Wembley in front of 40 odd thousand people to just be having a bit of fun with it. Yeah. And it was it was a really nice atmosphere and there was a nice ceremony about the day. Obviously, it was the 50th anniversary of the FA Cup and also the 100th anniversary of the English FA banning women from playing football. And, mm. you know, you did have a moment sitting there. I was like, I'm sitting here as a woman writing about women's football, at the home of English football. And a hundred years ago, someone was writing a law saying that I shouldn't, never mind, not even on the pitch, I probably wouldn't be allowed in the room. Um, So it was really nice. And I'd say there was definitely a good few young Chelsea fans fully converted after seeing Sam Kerr and also just the joy that their team played with and how effective they were. It was was clinical and I think Emma Hayes was very smug with herself afterwards you could see she wasn't she deserved to be yeah Yeah, she wasn't wasn't holding back at her celebrations (laughs) she was delighted and rightfully so like it was a massive achievement when you think of the domestic success that she's led Chelsea to now in the last year like it's unprecedented almost yeah now she just needs to tackle the European stage which they have against Juventus this week which will be interesting because obviously Joe Montemuro old Arsenal rivalry Mm -hmm. there and also the fact that Juve have had a very good Champions League they had that big win against Wolfsburg a couple of weeks ago which makes that group very interesting so I don't don't think there will be too many tired legs to be honest after the weekend Mm -hmm. because as effective as Chelsea were they were given a lot of leash to run around so it should be it should be a good matchup but I think Chelsea will probably pip them in the end yeah, definitely. 
If you have any questions, comments, thoughts, why it was that Arsenal imploded at the weekend, can they actually beat Barcelona, then please do get them into us on Twitter at OffTheBall using the hashtag OTBKoiGig. So we gave our resident football expert, Emma Carroll, a bit of a break last week when it comes to picking teams and having all those screens put up. But she's back this week and we have a special edition because once again, we don't have any WSL. We're still on the tail end of FA Cup and international break. So Emma, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I'm really excited about this. I think when I was looking at it, we're going to do a Irish top starting team, all time greatest, have played in the WSL, a lot of these people are the people that like I looked up to and probably got me into football and got me into watching the WSL. So it is exciting. But do you want to give us, I suppose, a little bit of an insight into what criteria you were looking for when you picked these and also who your team is? Uh, the criteria is probably fairly loose. Appear <laughs> <laughs> uh, and play, have played in the WSL, which obviously only came into uh, existence in 2011. So some of these players kind of maybe just about got in there uh, from a season or two. Um, and then I was kind of looking at their impact as well in the women's national side as well, I suppose is kind of the two of the biggest criteria. Um, yeah. I'm well, trying not to go all out attack as well. <laughs> I mean, you do love going all out attack yeah. though. I think we have established this I over... Did, I did hear that in last week's podcast. <laughs> it was... It was on my mind. And I think <laughs> having to dwell over this for the last two weeks as well was um, quite difficult. It's almost better when you just have to get straight into it based on performances from the weekend, whereas you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so give us give us your team. Who makes the cut? Okay, goalkeeper. There's quite a few of them in the WSL, but I think there's only one person that's going to get in goal. It's Emma Byrne. Um, in defence, we've got Megan Campbell, Louise Quinn, Nee Fatty, Yvonne Tracy. In midfield, Kira Grant, Arsenal's Kira Grant, Rusha Littlejohn, Megan Connolly, and then a variant of a front three of Anya O'Gorman, Denise O'Sullivan, and Katie McCabe. I mean, I wouldn't be saying no if that was our kind of starting team. It's not that far away from it at the moment for the <laughs> <laughs> internationals and stuff. Um, for you, out of that squad, like who who's the player that really jumps out? Like who was the one that I suppose had the biggest lasting impact? Uh, well, I think Emma Byrne, you know, like Katie McCabe is probably her present day Emma Byrne. If, mm-hmm. if you think like I remember watching them at Richmond Park, um, Kira Grant, Yvonne Tracy. That's kind of the days that I remember of going to watch the women's football. First of all, my granddad going, oh, there's a women's team playing down the road. Let's go. Um, great. So, yeah, I think. And then she won the Champions League. Like who else has done that? You know, like. Steve Finnan have, has done it mm. from male point of view. Roy Keane, Damien Duff. Is there many more? I can't think of many. Like you say, growing up, that photo of the four Irish girls together in the Arsenal pick is one that really kind of stands out to me. Like I have pictures of myself with Yvonne Tracy from like the Gainer Cup and I looked up to her so much and she, she actually played beside me. I made my debut, certain debut for the Irish team left full and she was playing left centre back and She's such a clever player, so such a good leader, and she has just so much experience. And you still have that with Nifai today. Obviously, she also played for Chelsea. She's had an illustrious career, really, when you think about it. Um, now doing great work as captain of Liverpool. So I can't. I'm looking for something to argue with you over, and I'm actually struggling. I'm a bit annoyed. 
<laughs> maybe you need like a subs bench or something as well. <laughs> one of the names that did pop into my mind that's not there was someone like Stephanie Roach who I know she wasn't in the WSL for all that long she was with Sunderland back in 2015 I think injury caused her she that's what kind of derailed her season a bit at the time but again when we're talking about the loose context of this team everything she's achieved like her goal it wasn't mm-hmm. scored in the WSL it was the Women's National League but there are very few other Irish players, male or female, who have had that level of global international recognition. So I suppose that is one of the names that I would throw up as a possible addition. Yeah, she and she is on, yeah, as you call it, my subs bench. Um, <laughs> and she was probably the one that was going to probably go in if I didn't go for a more defensive player. Um, and then I obviously I had Leanne Kiernan as well. Um bright young talent and probably if we came back to this team in a couple of years time she'd probably be in there or if Liverpool were in the WSL this season she may get in there on complete recency wise as well with the form that she's in Um, I think she's definitely one to look out for the future that will hopefully score lots of goals, goals for Ireland as well Um, Anya O'Gorman had the couple of years at Doncaster Bells 111 caps for Ireland she's still top goal scorer in the WNL here couldn't leave her out and I'm so glad that Denise O'Sullivan went on loan last season to Brighton as well because it meant that I could uh, get her in there as well um, because yeah I think no yeah you want to get her on any team you can yeah. like even yeah. if she played three she minutes I'd, I'd be agreeing with that I'd be like, I had yeah, to do like a double take when I saw her name because I was like wait like last year was such a blur <laughs> that I was like when was she in the WSL if the question for both of you so if we were to take this team now and say they're all playing at like peak of their career their prime it's not a case of having players like Emma who've retired and Katie who's still playing mm-hmm. and entered it into a World Cup qualification or a natural tournament. A, I suppose, A, do you think we would qualify for the World Cup? And if so, do you think we would get anywhere? That's Ooh. a pretty decent team. I would hope we would qualify. I think if this team, like if you had those kind of legends that you're seeing there, your Kira Grants, your Von Tracy's, Emma Byrne, if you had them and the current level of support and professionalism and setup um, that the likes of Katie and Denise are now experiencing. I think it would be really hard to argue with it because the natural talent that they all had and what they achieved when women's sport wasn't as big, when there wasn't as much support, I think I, I'd be saying, yeah, I'm giving that, I'm giving that a good quarterfinal run in a Euros, maybe quarterfinal run in a Euros. It's pretty decent. Being really it? optimistic. There, <laughs> but like, <laughs> well, you can't argue with it because it'll never happen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean who knows we had Emma Byrne on last week and I feel like we could probably swing her around coming back and <laughs> set up and so what the rest yeah. we can work on throughout the next couple of weeks of the podcast yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no it is it's a I agree I do think it would definitely qualify us for a major tournament um I think a lot of the players that are there who are the ones that we don't see competing at the moment because they've retired or whatever fill a lot of the areas that were maybe missing in the current squad you know goalkeeping is one we've talked about strong in many areas and then obviously if you just I mean you'd be delighted Karen if you just had Katie doing full-on attack on the- oh, this is this is the best team I've seen in weeks get her up there <laughs> absolutely yeah and if you had Megan Campbell behind her she they could literally just Megan could just throw the ball to Katie and Katie could score. It's a very simple formula. Trolling. Just get it in. <laughs> just um, waiting for but it would, it would be great. Yeah, I think that that will be a huge thing. I think those wing back positions are something that um, 
something that to look at and, and we're obviously missing players. Harriet Scott was there. Megan Campbell was there. So there will be scope to push Katie on. Um, and this team kind of has reminded me of that. So, yeah, no, it's 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 definitely a combo that you would would be worth looking at. Yeah. Emma, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. So we've heard multiple players come on the last couple of weeks and asking, when's Karen coming back? When <laughs> when is she getting back into the national setup? But if Karen was in the WSL, would she make this team? Yeah, of course. <laughs> okay. <laughs> First Will I be mean and ask you who you drop on that team instead? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm looking at that team now. I think there's very few that I could compete with, particularly that position. Like Kira Grant, she's she was one of my heroes. Obviously, she was a Watford. I was kind of Kilkenny, so she was always someone I looked up to. Same with Yvonne Tracy. So I can't. I'll I'll leave you off with that one. I can't see myself <laughs> competing. I'll be maybe first, second sub. We'll say second sub. <laughs> We know you are notoriously humble when it comes to these things, Karen. So we might not trust. Well, your having opinion. never played in the WSL or professionally, I think it's a safe bet. That's a safe bet. <laughs> Retired at twenty-seven. Come on, girl. You never know. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. I'm just helping everyone else with the get Karen Duggan back on the national team. Maybe we'll just have you instated as manager or something, so then you can just play Katie up top all the time. No, well, just let me let me let me talk talk the talk with you, you know on a weekly basis that's from the warmth of this little office that I have here <laughs> uh, yeah I think that's a lot as well that Emma Byrne is still the one yeah, that's going to be because that's the position where we actually that's currently have playing yeah that's the um, one position where we could debate it but you just can't you can't no, you it, would never debate it it's yeah. crazy to think that yeah there's you know five goalkeepers that have played in the WSL and yeah it's still only one name on that, that will get in there. Um, yes. I was trying to formulate some arguments in my head, like oh, just <laughs> for the crack, and I literally couldn't come up. I, I could just imagine like both your faces if I turned around and I was like, you know, maybe we should have, I don't know, Grace Maloney or Courtney Rosnett in there instead of Emma Byrne. I think I'd no. probably be. Um, Not after off. last week's podcast, I was literally <laughs> trying to get her back playing. <laughs> yeah, very true. Yeah, yeah, I, I think talking I... about these coaches and I'm like you you're you were that too yeah <laughs> <laughs> I know she is an all-time great well Emma thank you so much for joining us um as ever if anyone has a name that maybe we have missed off or you think it is completely unfair that certain people have been played on this team and others haven't please do let us know you can get them into us on twitter at off the ball using the hashtag otb koi cake this week we have Leanne Kiernan with us, Liverpool and Ireland player. Leanne, how are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you, Kathleen? I'm good, I'm good. Um, no, you're on your way to the airport at the moment, so thank you for joining us. You look a lot more glamorous than I normally do when I'm on my <laughs> way to the airport. <laughs> thank you. Um, I suppose just to launch straight into it, you have been having an incredible season so far. I think every time I look at Liverpool's results, I just see your name beside multiple goals. Uh, how have you been feeling the last couple of weeks with how everything's going? No, honestly, I've been feeling brilliant. Even since moving to the club, pre-season has went pretty well for me. Touch wood, thank God, no injuries. So, um, and I'm playing with a smile on my face, so can't complain. Did you have a kind of sense when you were doing pre-season clubs that you mentioned injuries, like it's something you have struggled with in the past. Did you feel like this was going to be your season? Like this was going to be a season where you were going to be hitting the numbers of goals that you are? Um, 
I suppose I was really ready for last season. My preseason in West Ham went really well. And then unfortunately, straight away when the season came, I picked up the shin splints. So I feel like I went more wisely into this season. Like if I need a day off, I'll take it rather than doing the extra training session so that I'm, I'm able to, to play the games because realistically, I don't want to be a training player. I want to, I want to play the games. So um, obviously I have targets in my head. I have a wee whiteboard in my room and I've ticked some of them targets for Christmas. So we'll have to, we'll have to make new ones. <laughs> I think in the position you play, kind of it's, it's mostly about confidence because we all know the ability you have. So having that clean run of form and the praise you're getting, how big of an impact is that for you now this season? Yes, of course, it's massive. And it's a big thing about believing in your own ability, I presume. Like the, I find that like when you're in a happy place in life and everything else is going well, that your football naturally, you're just you're doing well and you're not overthinking it. And thank God with no injury runs now and it's been going, it's been going well. So let's hope it, it keeps going the way it's going. It's not just you. It's kind of like the whole team. There seems to be a really great atmosphere around the squad. I don't know. Is that something like that Matt has brought in? Obviously in the past, especially last season, there were some criticism around Liverpool and like the club and how it was run, but it seems to very much be making that strong march to return to the WSL. Yes, exactly. Um, It's been going really well. Um, And I suppose we have a great atmosphere. It's very competitive in training. And um, of course you have everybody kind of fighting for a spot, which is quite nice that like you have to be kept on your toes. How much does that impact you? You know, when people are talking about other clubs and the amount of investment they have and they're saying, oh, why aren't Liverpool doing the same? Does that come into your conversations daily or are you very focused on your own job and you don't kind of say, oh, I wish they gave us more? Um, I just, listen, I came to Liverpool to get promoted and that's my number one aim. Um, so we just keep that in mind and the rest will come. What were the conversations like for you when you were coming to Liverpool? Because um, obviously that like, you'd worked with Matt before, you had had the shin spin, so you said you had to take some time off. What what was it that drew you and like, what was he saying to you? I want you on the squad, this is what I think you can do. I suppose he was pretty confident. He's known me for three years now and actually four years now. And um, he believes that if I didn't have all the injuries and that, like, that I'd be a pretty good player so he had that bit of faith in me which is quite nice when when you're out for a season and then for somebody to come and pick you again it's quite a nice compliment to have and um, I have a good relationship with him and he's kind of like family away from home too which is quite nice and he always um, creates a great environment around the team which I'm I'm about to. Yeah, speaking of kind of the environment around the team you obviously have a couple of Irish compatriots in there um, how much does that help or even kind of like the English, Scottish, Welsh vibe you probably have more of that now at West Ham than or at Liverpool than you did at West Ham has that kind of helped you adjust a little bit better? Yeah no it's um, it's been brilliant it's obviously great having the likes of Megan, Fahey even Colm our SNC coach he's only from up the road from me at home so it's quite nice and just um, everybody gets the crack it's um it's good fun and training and a bit of slagging and everything so it's quite it is quite good can't beat a bit of slagging around the place it's like whenever I moved over to London first and I'd hear an Irish voice I'm always like where are you from where are you going <laughs> where, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, and you don't have to go far to be fair to find people they are always very very close um and on that Irish side and like the Irish connection obviously it's had the team has had a couple of like really big matches with the world cup qualifying how do you feel about whenever you see yourself performing at the level you are with liverpool and 
putting in the goals you are how does that feed into your confidence when it comes to like the Ireland squad of course the last two camps I've been going in pretty confident and really trusting in my ability unfortunately the last camp when we played Sunderland just the day before we went in and it picked up a bit of a knock on my hamstring which wasn't ideal because I was really looking forward to going in and playing them two games as we all know it's um it's a massive kind of qualifying and we've a great opportunity to qualify this time so um yeah but of course like when you're scoring goals at club and then um, you're going into your country you're feeling pretty confident yeah I think they obviously missed you in the last camp as well um just the option you gave and the pace you give so we're looking forward to getting you back in there um how is the kind of transition been you're a very young player but you've had a a few different managers now across from when you played in Ireland through the Irish international teams and now in England um how much does your relationship with the manager affect you and you obviously have this understanding now with Matt where he doesn't push you beyond your limitations and it's reflective in your game Uh, how how much did that maybe affect you in the past or how much would you have said okay I'm just going to deal with this hamstring strain and go into camp and possibly make it worse but I won't say anything is that just maturity or is it building the relationships with your managers I think it's definitely a maturity thing maybe last year I would have went in kept training then be out for six months where when you're out for them six months you're really wishing you never went in mm-hmm. in the first place so um I think yeah it's definitely maturity and I kind of again like I have an understanding with Matt like my shin splints I was out for a year they're not fully gone. I, um, I flew to Dublin, Dublin several times in Santry to kind of try get them sorted. So it's constant, like 45 minutes prep before I get on the pitch, just so I've loaded them well. Um, I can't train on Tuesdays where the whole team can, which is obviously not ideal when you're 22. But if it's working for me now, I quite I quite like that. So and obviously you get wee knocks like hamstrings and that where you just got to be smarter. Like I've yeah. definitely matured up from the last few years of being injured and in and out of things so yeah do you think that maturity came like while you were sitting around not being able to play like psychologically how did you deal with that side of things honestly when you're sitting in a gym for six months straight and all you can um you can only listen to so many Justin Bieber songs (laughs) you kind of um you do anything to to leave it so yeah, it's definitely just the thing of knowing your own body. I think a massive thing is there's no point pushing yourself in training to do another session, another session when realistically, if you do three sessions in the weekend, that suits your body and you can perform the weekend. The weekend is the most important time. So um, you want to be as fresh as you can. Is that when you're looking at like, say, talking about um, knowing your body, knowing like the limits to push it to, it's something I've talked to like quite a few athletes about in the sense that especially I suppose from the women's side of things it's not always something that you're told like you're not you kind of are told to like push through things it's fine just like keep going keep going keep going do you think there is a little bit of a change around attitudes because you're definitely not the first player I've heard say like I just played through the pain I mean even I was at the FA Cup final and I saw Sam Kerr literally just take a handful of painkillers in the middle of the match and just keep playing and she was obviously in pain worked out quite well for them in the end but do you think there is like a, a better um acceptance of like we need to listen to bodies a little bit more we need to make sure that that's part of the coaching and part of the weekly structures that are more flexible yeah I definitely think I think number one thing is knowing your body and it's definitely immaturity like 
as I said last year, I wouldn't have stopped. And it's kind of Irish mentality. You put a bit of that magic spray and a bit of water over it, you'd be grand, <laughs> run on. Which um, <laughs> it works, but not when you're in a professional environment, expected to give 100% every single day. So um, I kind of learned that if I'm not able to give 100%, like I need to just sit out and be ready to give my 100% the next day. Yeah, it's hard to shake that Cavan GA mentality that you grew up with, the magic water I know, in the spray. But <laughs> no, it's great to hear that you are doing that now. I'm big fan of the magic spray all the same myself. But um, no, it's not um, bad, is it? <laughs> I, yeah, big time. But yeah, how have, how was the move from from London to Liverpool? They're quite different places, um, but I suppose they're they're both cities as well. Like, how much does the environment affect you you're obviously a Calvin girl but you played for shells as well so you've had a taste of of both kind of lives which which is do you prefer the city living or the little bit the quieter stuff no I definitely um Liverpool is definitely more my scene up north you're half an hour away from like anywhere in the country it's very similar to Ireland hmm. um and it's just good people I swear everybody's half Irish in some sense <laughs> in Liverpool anyway so um, now everybody's very, very nice. And it's not even that in London, but I feel like in London, everybody's there to work, get on with their day and then get out of the city. Where it's just um, more of a like, I don't know, friendly scene in Liverpool. I'm really enjoying it. And to be honest, it's a half an hour over and back on the plane. So I'm home now every, every, every second weekend, I'm home. <laughs> it's kind of funny sometimes when you think about it, that like you can practically get from places like Liverpool or London quicker back home than you could if you were getting a train across the country or a bus or something. <laughs> Honestly, it's madness. And have like with moving around like from London to Liverpool, having the injuries, was that something that was difficult? Because obviously I know you said that you had like good people around you and you had like good support, but it must be quite strange sitting in the gym by yourself in a country that isn't your home country. Yes, for sure. And um, the type of injury I had, it was kind of like there was no no like you do your hamstring and you know it could be like two weeks, it could be like ten weeks. But with shin splints and that, it's kind of like a training thing. So, like, I might be able to train today, but I'll be out for three weeks. So, it was kind of like, it was not knowing when you'd be back, which is quite annoying. But when I got my MRI in January, so I was out from just after September till January, and I got my MRI, and they said I needed to take, like, till the summer off. So, obviously, Beardy, we have a good relationship, and he kind of knows what I need sometimes. So, he let me go home for a month or two, which is quite nice, just to get out of the environment, kind of be back in your normal family environment which you do miss obviously when you're away but um but yeah I've definitely grown from it and matured and listen um setbacks but now it's it's working out rightly so I can't complain what did you get up to while you came home um so I brought one of the girls from Liverpool my roommate came home with me and a girl that I met in West Ham from uh, London so we went went to see the farm (laughs) (laughs) Made, a, made an appearance on the farm and just being around the family some of the animals and introduced them to some of my other family and <clears throat> excuse me and my friends so it was quite nice just so they get an idea of what it's like where, where I'm from and kind of get get a picture of it they managed to get a few hours on the farm out of you while you were there <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and um, we just they wanted to see the temple bar and see what Dublin's about I'm not a massive expert on this type of area but I'll pretend I know it for the day. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great thing about bringing people across because you can just pretend. It doesn't matter. They don't pretend know. You know everything about everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sure, Leanne was showing I'm me around the Manchester. Yeah, and Leanne was throw, showing me around Manchester markets the other day. 
<laughs> Not a clue where I was going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ. You've completely added you in a public setting now. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, Leanna's on the hot chocolate, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I let these ones go on a hard. <laughs> <laughs> when you said earlier that you uh like you like setting goals for yourself, you have certain things you want to achieve, but it's not even Christmas yet and you've already achieved some of those things. What were the ones I suppose that you were looking to achieve that you've already done? I suppose goals, um certain things in training that I need to work on example like 1v1s I want to get better at that and my crossing ability on both feet and there's always like little areas that I want to improve on I'll always spend like 15-20 minutes after training doing them wee bits just so I can it's not an excuse when I come into a game um and I'm the, I'm the type of person that if I've knocked off that and I'm like well maybe I was quite narrow-minded thinking I'd only get that like I need to make it bigger so I'll make it bigger I'll rub it out and make it bigger and hopefully I'll make them before Christmas now so we still have three three games left it's impressive like even just the 15-20 minutes after training like how much you can achieve with just that small amount is there any sort of like if you're looking at your career for the next three four or five years and beyond what is the kind of like big goal like obviously everyone wants to win matches achieve certain things but like on a personal level personally I want to qualify for a tournament with Ireland definitely that's that's um it's not achieved so far, but I definitely believe that we can achieve it. We have great players in that team. Um, and I yeah, think I it's think a great people group. Are, yeah, I think we kind of always said it when, say, when I was playing stuff, I would love to. Mm-hmm. But now I think with the current crop and the current levels of support that you're getting, I think now when people say it, there is a little bit more belief behind it. And you're so young, it definitely feels attainable for someone like you in your career at this stage, you and the likes of Heather Payne, like when you say it you totally believe that Ireland are going to qualify for a major tournament. So there is a shift, I think, even though you would have said it years ago, I definitely think it's yeah. said with more conviction now. Exactly, yeah. And like, listen, there's an awful lot of players now playing with Ireland that's abroad, which also helps that they're coming from a professional environment. And we kind of, we know what we need to do to achieve it. And obviously some some games mightn't go as planned, but then the next game we're standing up. So um, hopefully now is the campaign that it'll work I really hope so I mean we say this every week on the show but I just think it would be such a uh, even as someone who like watches the game and obviously wasn't involved in the way like both yourself and Karen where it feels like a very different atmosphere and the belief is there in a way that hasn't been before in that when people ask me do you think Ireland can actually qualify obviously you always are like yeah of course we can anything can happen but now it feels if it's not this time around that it's coming quite soon down the track and I think like you said I mean qualificate you were saying that you want to go up to the WSL at Liverpool next year if that happens like that's another person in the league which is great more professionalism being brought back and like I said you're so young as well that there is so much potential which is really exciting and I don't know I feel it's nice to hear that that's actually in the squad group I suppose as well it's not just something that we're seeing on the outside yeah for sure and some people forget like it's obviously a massive achievement like playing with a big club like Liverpool and like the girls are obviously playing in the WSL too but we're born and bred Irish and like you do anything to put on that Irish jersey and I feel like that's my proudest moment to date 
like I've, we've played in Wembley and the FA Cup final, etc., and all that. But I um, I take everything back just to, to like I made my debut when I was sixteen or seventeen, and my family watching. Like I think that was probably one of my proudest moments to date with football. Yeah, I think that's very sure. evident for a lot of the Irish girls. I mean, realistically, at the moment, girls aren't going abroad to go and make millions. They're going with the view of improving themselves and bringing that back to the Irish team. Um, and that's that's really good environment for camp as well. Like you're all very much pulling in the same like direction. It's, it's no big time Charlies. You're all there to do the same thing. And even if people are playing WSL1, WSL2 or Swimming's National League at the end of the day, you all have the same goals. Um, and I think that that's kind of what's special about Ireland as well, that they're, that camaraderie that's always there, no matter what level you're playing at, you're all, when you're in camp, you're very much in camp together as one team. Exactly, exactly. You said it right there, Karen. Thanks. Love that. I was going to say, I need to get you on board for the next like pre-match motivational <laughs> video or something. Maybe when my voice comes back a bit better. <laughs> those, yeah. Christmas, those Christmas markets were rough on him, not going to lie. I was just about to say, Karen, how'd you lose your voice? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit of a cold, Leanne. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much for joining us and have a safe flight and best of luck with everything. Um, I know you've been giving me a lot of enjoyment the last couple of weeks with everything you've been doing on the pitch. So best of luck and hope it continues. Perfect. Thanks very much for having me. Thank you. Well, that's it for this week's Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports in association with Cabri FC, official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland's women's national team. Thanks so much to our guest, Leanne, for joining us and giving us her time. It was a really interesting conversation, um, especially for someone so young who'd gone through so many different injuries. And also thanks to Emma with her Irish all-time great WSL team. I think we had some interesting discussions about that. So if you have any thoughts on it, if you want to let us know who we missed out or who you think think really deserves a position in the team then please do get them into us at off the ball on twitter using the hashtag otb koi gig we will be back again next tuesday with another podcast with more interesting guests more fun talk about football karen thank you for joining me thanks for having me again the koi gig pod and otb sports in association with cadbury a player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support 